on today's Stuck In. Sorry for doing my best Lucille Bluth impression. It's like she gets off on being withholding. But we are back for a proper pod to close out the week. No superlative starting 11s this week to keep it manageable, but still found a way to go a bit over. Enjoy the bonus content. We were somehow able to squeeze MLS incompetence, periods, and Luis Suarez's good old biting habits into the end there, and it actually made sense. Well, anyway, we've got more ground to cover than all that blue stuff, which must be the land. So without further ado, let's get stuck in. in a Farmers League soccer podcast. Today is Friday, October 28th, 2022. And obviously, I simply couldn't deal with Arsenal dropping points in the league this past weekend. So I fucked off from Monday's pod and had half a mind to bail today, too. But Jared, you just reeled me back in with a classic suck text. And I just couldn't say no. Uh, but go ahead. I'll give you the floor. Let me have it. I have. Hey, you already said it. I <laughs> the punch. I think you got ahead of it. Uh, yeah, obviously, Arsenal drops points, and uh, you're nowhere to be heard from on Monday. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I apologize to you. I apologize to the traveling supporters. Uh, yeah, just a lot going on. No no, no big deal. Just, uh, you know, uh, one of my tenants has bailed on me, owing $3,300 in rent, uh, and I have a State Cup semifinal tomorrow that uh, more than half of my team is absent for, so we might have to forfeit. So I've just, just been dealing with some other things. Other than that, you know, life is good, uh, but, but yeah, just have had some other obligations to deal with. Well, I'll, I'll let you react you. live to that, Jared. Go ahead, apologize to me. Best of luck to you in all circumstances. <laughs> yeah anyways anyways this this is a soccer podcast uh so yeah let, let, let's get back on topic here uh speaking of topics uh, a couple of things to talk about but obviously we will mostly uh focus on the segments uh, a lot of stuff going down midweek uh and i was actually able to um uh watch football this week and and boy was there some great stuff uh, uh, in Europe. So yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, but first, and, and yeah, speaking of, of Europe and, and Jared, I think I, I put this at the top of the order here, uh, be, because, you know, nothing really happened in the game, but, but obviously all the stuff surrounding it is really big. And, and I think we, you know, we need a little bit of time and space here, uh, to really talk about and process, uh, this exit of FC Barcelona from the Champions League. It is very well documented, uh, how dev- devastating this is. We have talked 
ad nauseum uh, about all the levers that they've pulled and the budget that they had. You know, they needed to make at least the quarters of the knockout stage to even remotely justify uh, all this stuff that they've done. Uh, and here they are now, um, you know, third in the group and they can't advance. And that's it. And, and if it weren't for pleasing, I mean, they'd be crashing out of Europe entirely. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, we, we've they spent a lot of money. And, and uh, they, you know, granted, by the time the game happened, it was it was a dead rubber. But at the time, you know, even when they submitted the lineups, it, it was not. It, there was certainly still the the odd hope. And uh, yeah, Marcus Alonso is playing center back in a back four. And Marcus Alonso is famously not a center back and not really great in a back four. Yeah. And, like- and Pedri, Pedri in the front three, like false nine ish. Like, like I, I don't understand yeah. it. Yeah, it, it, none of it makes sense. And it's just like, and to have signed so many guys and that were, that, and most of them are, are you know, again, we talk about how many wingers they have and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like, look, we knew that they had to be perfect essentially to avoid having a financial catastrophe hit them. And it's obvious that they didn't do it and uh, they didn't spend the money particularly well. It's very bureaucratic of them. And it's, you know, again, as you said, we've, we've beat it into the ground, so we don't need to go over the, the fine details of it. But I think that this day in general, we just encapsulated everything that's wrong is that they play Bayern at home. Uh, no shots on target. And you have Lewandowski and you have Rafinha and Fati and Dembele and Pedri and, and De Jong and all these and Ferran Torres and all these guys who are on the field for, for all our part of this game. And not a single one of them get a shot on target. And the defense blows and so on and so forth. And it's just... Uh, they spent a lot of money for seemingly no reason because they were no better than they were last year in this competition without spending all that money. Yeah. Is there a part of you that, that, and, and we're on record as we support Javi, you know, we, we do appreciate everything that Barcelona has done over the years. I mean, Pep's reign revolutionized the game, all, all that great stuff or whatever. But is there a part of you that's like, you know, th- this is the comeuppance, you know, this is your just dessert right here. Like we all knew that this was going to go wrong in some way, you know, and, and for them to be so blind to that, to be so disconnected and detached from reality. Uh, and I'm not saying I'm like, reveling in it i'm not enjoying it or per se but it's just kind of like what did you expect this is your comeuppance i am reveling in it because the, <laughs> okay. no because there's still such an arrogance about yeah. from the club and from the fans you know the whole fans chanting about you the, the uefa mafia shit um which is i guess half about financial fair play or whatever which is odd because uh, they're not in trouble with uefa they're in trouble in spain and then i guess also that non-penalty call against inter which okay like there was a bad call that went against them uh you really want to i i don't think barcelona fans probably want to go down the road of counting how many iffy decisions have gone against them versus for them and so like there's still this this arrogance about like oh yeah like we somehow this was this happened to us this didn't this didn't happen because of us. This didn't happen by us. This mm. is an exterior factor that is that has created this problem for us. And like and 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 I know we'll talk about Juventus, but as as much as we want to laugh at them, you know, like their attitude has kind of been like, oh well, like this isn't that bad and like we're actually doing some good things and like it's it's not going well right now, but like it's much more internalized. And we can have a laugh at them, but at least Juventus isn't coming out and saying, um, Oh, like, oh, they're out to get us in some way. And it's like, and for for you to go through all this, when you've made these changes, when you've made these signings, when you've mortgaged your own financial future, and it doesn't work to then turn around and go, how has this happened to us? It's like, how do you how do you do anything but revel in, in their in their ineptitude in that sense? Because they don't they still don't get it. 
after after multiple years. Yeah, of, yeah. Don't well, and, and also on the U of A thing, like we, we also made fun of Allegri saying like this is fine, like it was a classic <laughs> meme. So like there there's also kind of a detachment from reality there too. And 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 fine, Jared. I think we like we agree we're calibrated. We just think they're two different things. Like they didn't think this thing could happen to them, right? I think it's because of a detachment from reality, like maybe even a naivety. You just think it's because of an arrogance. But either way, you get to the same well, it's conclusion. It's one, it ain't good. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Yeah, but the yeah. fact is that after it has failed to maintain the arrogance is the hilarious part. Like, it's mm. like, wait, you've gotten slapped down now twice. Like, you, yeah. had, to, you had to scratch and, and crawl last year to get back in the Champions League. Remember, they were down in 12th and 13th place. Yeah. They still had to crawl and they had to bring it back together. And, and, and to have it happen again and for them to still look around like, how could this be happening? Like, that's the part where it just is like, yeah, fuck you. Like, just I hope you like, <laughs> yeah. finish like fifth this year and go to Europa League direct. Like, Love it. Um, in all seriousness, though, uh, is this truly like the financial death blow that we that a lot of people think it is? Or is there a way to come back? I mean, like if they win Europa League, like there's a nice payday for that. Yeah, it's going to be tough to say, because, again, this team wasn't going to the semis of the Champions League. So we the idea of saying the Champions League money versus the Europa League money very well might be mitigated by how far they go. It's tough to say exactly, you know, when they have a home game in, in the Europa League, are they going to sell? 30,000 tickets are they going to sell 60,000 tickets like there's a lot of moving parts that we're not really going to know um I do think that at some point they're going to be able to sell players and there might be I, I think they might be in a in a place where the other where other clubs are not quite as feel like they they can hold them hostage in the same way as they did this summer um you know or especially if they maybe try and make a move or two in January where they say hey look we have a guy you're you're trying to make Europe hey here's a guy that'll help you or you know maybe a Liverpool says hey we can use a guy right now because we're not playing well so i think there's probably avenues where they can avoid it being catastrophic but there's no way around it it's going to hurt and and it's going to continue to hurt because again they'll they'll finish in champions league spots this year in la liga but again there's no evidence to support that next year they're going to get out of a group i mean we don't obviously there's so much to happen before that but i I think that they're very much hurting but i don't know that it's a catastrophe quite yet that said if they lose in the you know the round of 16 or 32 in the europa league well then yeah we probably have a pretty big problem well, right. So now they enter the Europa League. Uh, isn't there like a playoff to get to the round of 16? Yeah, I think it's like the, the eight teams in that, are, that come from the Champions League play eight runners up in the Europa League. So like not the group winners in the Europa League group stage, but the second place teams, uh, which again, given the Europa League could still be a, a couple of good teams. I think last year they might have played. I feel like they played Celtic maybe or something like that. They actually played a live team or Napoli. They played somebody that was, wasn't terrible, right? And so yeah. I think it's... Just... Or, or like in Arsenal's group, like PSV Eindhoven. Right. Or like... who knows? Like we, we could botch it too. And Arsenal could finish second. And we're looking at Barca, Arsenal. Right. So, I mean, it, it's it's by no means a guarantee where you could get to that point where it's uh, an automatic that you're going to go deep. And they didn't go deep last year. They lost to Frankfurt of all teams. Like Frankfurt's not, you know, yeah. that, that's not, that's a mismatch on paper. So... I, I don't want to say it's a catastrophe yet, but again, there's there's not a ton of evidence to support that it's not going to be in the near future because, again, uh, the, the Europa League could be tricky. And, you know, again, these guys all going to a World Cup, as, as we've talked about at nauseum. You know, the wrong guy picks up an injury. Lewandowski gets hurt playing for Poland, and now he's out for two months or whatever those situations are. It, this could get very bad in a hurry. It's already not great, but the, the, catast- the catastrophic part still TBA. Yeah, there you have it. Uh, and speaking of the World Cup, uh, as much as we are enjoying the schadenfreude of uh, Barcelona FC's uh, situation right now, um, we are not reveling. It is the complete opposite uh, as uh, more players continue to get injured. Uh, and, and one player, by the way, who, who is not 
going to the World Cup, but was also injured and in a non-pitch uh, related. We might as well just uh, uh, hit that topic real quick. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this one, but Pablo Mari, uh, Arsenal, he's still on the Arsenal payroll. Uh, actually, off the top of my head, Jared, I forget where he's on loan to. Monza in Italy. Oh, that's right. That's right. The, uh, the fucking old Italian billionaires club. Uh, so the old prime minister. Um, what's his name? Berlusconi? Yep. Yeah, there you go. Uh, well, anyways, um, and sorry, trying not trying to make light of this, uh, but yes, Pablo Mari, the Arsenal man, uh, was included uh, in just like a random stabbing in Milan. Uh, a group of people uh, were injured. Um, uh, him, one of the le- the the less serious ones, uh, and apparently police have apprehended a suspect. Details still forthcoming from it, uh, but yeah, just like absolutely crazy to hear. I, I mean, this is just the world today. This stuff is just so normalized. I guess it, it's such a shame. <laughs> oh, excuse me. <laughs> this is the part where I talk, right? Yeah. What, yeah go I, for, oh my god! Just like, uh, go uh, yeah, no, and and like, look, a person was killed in this attack, so obviously very bad in that sense. And and apparently, by all accounts, uh, his his being a a six four muscle bound like strapping professional athlete might have saved his life here. Uh, in terms of the height thing, uh, one of I think one of the uh, the person who was either killed or, or or more severely injured was stabbed in the neck. He was stabbed in the neck. He's six four and not five ten. Uh, just having a you know a big muscle situation, the doctors seem to think that the muscle kind of stopped the knife and kept it from going into his lung. And of course, if you puncture a lung, that can obviously kill you. So uh, he's Jesus. he's very lucky. He was with his wife and his child. So you know, again, you kind of look at the the bright side for lack of a better term where at least his child wasn't hurt or his wife wasn't hurt yeah but obviously again you know five people or five or six people injured one killed and uh yeah like a random stabbing mass stabbing attack and uh you know we can go very political with this or not but uh you know this is why attacks are better than gun attacks because uh less people are killed and people that are injured have a better chance of being okay they say he'll be out about three months by the time he can probably fully recover and train and everything else but again that's so so much better than what than what could have been the worst case scenario yeah no kidding and and obviously you can tell by my reaction even though he was only at arsenal for a cup of tea i'm just uh terribly broken up but but in all seriousness I mean, this is just, uh, yeah, this is brutal uh, for, for this to happen. And, and, you know, our hearts go out to, to everyone who is involved. Um, but, yeah, th- there were some other uh, injuries, uh, Jared, that were soccer-related and uh, for guys that will be or, or not potentially going to the World Cup. Go ahead, listen. Uh, yeah, I think the one over the weekend that was probably the biggest was Rafael Varane, um, <laughs> who got obviously hurt with Manchester United, where they pretty much immediately said, yeah, he's not going to play before the World Cup. Uh, and, and again, we've talked at nauseum about the, the the kind of the weird place that all the players and, and managers and everyone else are in. And I think you see a lot of these clubs at this point, just guys kind of getting bit nicked up and they're just saying, hey, look, just take the weeks like to just get ready. for." Like, I think it, it's a cool thing. There's an understanding, right? Yeah. That Ten Hag is pretty much like, hey, he's not playing before the World Cup. If he can get healthy for the World Cup, great. If not, he'll play after. And and I think that that's a good thing that we don't have a lot of managers right now that are trying to kind of hold it over the players' heads. Uh, yeah. Chomp has said that look, he has to, he's going to have to pass a fitness test uh, before in France before the plane takes off if he wants to make it. He's not going to, uh, you know, he's not going to bring him in, in the, you know, in case kind of deal. It's either it's an all or nothing. Yeah. Again, if if you're France and we talked about some injuries with them and, and other issues with them, but obviously the rock of their defense, if he were out, that would be a a massive blow. Um, and Jared, by the way, real quick, did you did you see that that he got like negative flack 
for that. Like his reaction specifically, and and you know, you know, soccer Twitter better than I do or whatever. So you can probably speak more intelligently on it. But from what I read, it sounds like this guy got creamed by by a lot of people for like overreacting to this thing. Are you kidding me? Yeah, of course he was like inconsolable. The guy is is sitting there. He feels something in his knee and in his head, he's like, I'm going to miss the World Cup. Like, how the fuck would you react? Fuck yeah. anyone who like who said that. Look, I don't understand that at all. I mean, look, and, and just see, I think the best example is, and as much as we rag on the guy and don't like him, you know, I, I think about like Ronaldo in the Euro 16 final when he when he knows he can't finish the final. And I understand that's in it versus. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, but in that moment, regardless of what you think about a player, whether you like the guy, don't like the guy, think he's whatever, when you see that emotion in the moment, when yeah. you. When a player is understanding his own vulnerability, his own mortality from a from a professional perspective, um, I, I don't see how anyone could really get mad at him for that. I think if 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 he cries like that and he's playing the next game and it turns out to be kind of an overreaction, I guess you can probably have a laugh about his overreaction to it. But here's the guy again, might miss a World Cup. Uh, you know, again, he's not. You know, he's, he's still in the peak of his career, but he's not on the young side. So I'm not going to say he definitely has another World Cup in him, though he probably does. Yeah. Um, and so. No, I mean, anyone who gets on his case for that uh, can... Yeah, dude, fuck him. Fuck him. Any other injuries, Jared? A couple minor ones, uh, perhaps minor ones for the U.S. Uh, Matt Turner did not play in the Europa League yesterday due to a minor, what they call, uh, leg injury. But again, every injury at this point is no longer minor. uh, Luca De La Torre, who, bizarrely enough, like, doesn't play for Celta Vigo, somehow still got hurt. Uh, the club announced that he will be out three weeks. And if you start looking at a calendar, you will see that the next U.S., the first U.S. World Cup game is in 24 days. Um, and so a guy that was, I think we would both agree, is a lock to make the roster, all of a sudden is not a lock to make the roster. And uh, if he doesn't go, then, you know, obviously U.S. soccer Twitter will be arguing over a potential replacement up until then. But that's one, especially with the U.S. hat on, that you might want to take a look at. Uh, I think, fortunately enough, we haven't seen too many other ones. I think the Champions League, we got through that pretty uh, pretty clearly. Uh, just a couple guys taken off with like minor niggles or whatever. So I think I think we had a decent enough week given given the circumstances. Yeah, uh, and hopefully we can just leave it right there. Although inevitably, next episode here's the fresh batch. Uh, and yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I, like I know what it is at that professional level, but just that like at the youth level too. Like I mentioned, my team, I, I got half my team out right now with injuries. Now a lot of those guys are knuckleheads, and they're like you know playing one on one at lunch in recess, you know, with their buddy and, you know, the guy's, you know, some unathletic classmate of his who like steps on his ankle. Like that's, that's a whole nother story. Uh, you know what I mean? But, but like, I don't know. I just feel like the injuries, man, these days, it's just, or maybe because we're even more like hyper attuned to it. I'm not sure, but it just feels like there's so many more injuries these days. I think we as a species are catching up with our own like physical limitations. Ah, very good. So yeah, we're, uh, we, we, need, we need to evolve a little bit like we're, their technology and everything else is catching up yeah we're, we're reaching the the limit it was always like uh you know how fast can you run the 100 meter dash like yeah you can keep getting faster but eventually you reach the limit also it probably doesn't help and I, this is obviously more for the, the the youth than the professionals uh that you like that these kids go home and play like Fortnite for like six hours a day and then try and exercise um, well, yeah, the big issue, Jared, is that I, I can no longer or us as coaches can no longer 
control what they're doing outside of, of, you know, when we're coaching them on the field and not that we ever could control, but there were just like, there were different, it, it was a different time. Like when we were youth players and, and right, we, we weren't just like either couch potatoes shoving our face full of like, you know, potato chips and soda and then going to practice uh, or what, you know, we, we, we played outside, we rode our bikes and like, yeah, we scraped our knees or whatever, but we're never like breaking our legs, you know, or, or just, or yeah, or <laughs> just sitting on the couch and then like getting up and having a, to play. These kids and their technology. They, yeah, they just don't know how to take care of their bodies. Uh, but anyways, um, yeah, why don't we end the topics on a high note here? Uh, the the frivolous lawsuit um, against Neymar Jr. has been dismissed, of course. Uh, and, and as we all know, Jared, no one in Spain goes to jail. But uh, apparently Neymar was uh, uh, up for some charge because there was nefarious action in his transfer to Barcelona, which is at this point, what, like 10 years ago? Uh, but yeah, so he's been exonerated. Justice was served. Hooray. Uh, yeah, all jokes aside as much as again we want to move off at Neymar generally not a good sign for uh for the person kind of bringing the charges if after a very short trial even the prosecution goes uh yeah this is a waste of all of our times can you drop all the charges now uh <laughs> probably a decent enough sign that uh that the the receipts were not brought uh by I believe that's DIS is the investment firm that was trying to get the money uh that even the prosecution was like yeah this is stupid there's no crime here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I saw that. And like, for some reason, when he was playing in Brazil, that group owned 40% of his rights or something like that. Like, just really weird. Yeah, Brazil was a very interesting, I, th- I think if, uh, actually, we should find Brazilians that we know and just like, actually, be like, do you understand this? And uh, <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll get Renato. It's a very peculiar, I know there's a very peculiar thing where because the clubs in Brazil don't have a lot of money anymore, that you kind of have these situations where they kind of like, that outside firms kind of hold some of the money so that they can stay in Brazil longer before they go to Europe. And in exchange, they're supposed to get the money from Europe, so on and so forth. And uh, not a great system, apparently, by all accounts. And it's not necessarily always very fair to the players either. Yeah, there you have it. Um, all right. Well, yeah, that'll do it for the topics. Let's let's move on to Europe. Uh, and, and Jared, put a, a very quick side out and, and put it as, as an earmark, at least. Uh, we didn't talk about with the Barca exit um, about, the, you know, how much more they're going to push the Super League. So w- we can talk about that when we get to that game. Think about that. Uh, but yeah, let, let's let's do the segments here. We have waited long enough. Um, let's talk about the the European games that occurred midweek. Uh, as usual, we will take it day by day. Uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So we'll kick it off uh, with our Champions League results. Uh, On Tuesday, uh, yeah, why why don't we start with some American mega boner. Uh, uh, Chelsea 2, RB Salzburg 1, Pulisic getting the start, which is enough to give me some blood flow these days. Uh, And then I just went straight to midnight after he assisted on the game-winning goal. Yeah, he was actually involved in both goals. He kind of helped nick a loose ball on the first goal that ended up uh, on that very kind of bizarre finish. Uh, by Kovacic uh, with the out, uh, the way he kind of like mm. you know, with the outside of the foot, and then as you said, the assist to Havertz, which uh, you know, it's, again, if d- this is, I think, the perfect play, which encapsulates like what you want to see about Christian Pulisic, whether you're an American who's like us, who kind of you know always have his back, versus like the English Chelsea fans who like just like slobber over Mason Mount all the time and like don't have time. Yeah. And by the way, doing it as a wingback. Yeah, kind of playing a wingback. And I think what's interesting about this goal is that, look, obviously the goal itself by Havertz is, is 
utterly fantastic. And and a lot of times when you say that, when you say, oh, like the assists, and you're like, well, okay, fine. But Havertz did all the work. But I think what you really have to notice in this goal is that Pulisic draws three defenders to him near the top of the box and gets the ball out before he gets swarmed. Correct, and yeah. Havertz turns with the ball and is looking at the goal, and there is nobody near him. That is because Pulisic got in a good space, drew the defense, and laid it off. So the the pass itself, yes, very basic, fundamental, uh, elementary. But the 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 speed of thought, the speed of dribble, and the decision making is what actually makes it a really good play. And again, those who want to see it will, and those who don't won't. And I think that is kind of the Pulisic story at Chelsea right now. None right. A big result for Chelsea as they have qualified for the group stage, uh, the knockout stage, I should say. And that's what matters most. They get the win. Again, this is a tricky road game for most teams when you go to Salzburg. They're always very frisky at home. So it's a big result for them. Yes. And and like you said, loving the Pulisic stuff. He was the reason for that goal. And I think that's why we have assists worth the same as uh, goals in that one. That was definitely all him. Uh, But right. Yeah. Most people are going to look at it through uh, Mount colored glasses. Uh, But anyways, um, yes, Chelsea getting the result there. Uh, Second result uh, to talk about uh, PSG dropping a touchdown on Maccabi Haifa. Uh, Although Haifa just always, you know, scrapping, fighting, getting two uh, in that one. Uh, they, They really never stood a chance, especially when, you know, coach, general manager, and, and technical director, Kylian Mbappe. He got a good nap in earlier, uh, and all three of the front line were just spreading the love. So, you know, all smiles in Paris. Uh, I would say all smiles. Uh, their defense sucks. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair play. And so, like, I, I didn't actually see, end up seeing what it was after the game, but like the, the who scored ratings at halftime of the game, which I think it was uh, 4-1 at halftime. You know, so it kind of a, this, the second half kind of followed the first. But, you know, it was like, you know, Messi, 9.5, ne- uh, Neymar, 8.9, like Mbappe, 9.6 like, or whatever. Then it was like everybody in the back end was like 5.2, 5.1, like maybe like a 6. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, and like, and again, giving up two goals at home to, to Maccabee, even though, again, at no point was the game ever in doubt. Uh, we should say that. But at nonetheless, uh, th- that doesn't work. Like when you play, you know, Bayern and when you play Real Madrid and, and Liverpool or City or whoever, even like a Dortmund who you, you, you might see in the, if the knockout rides, if you're PSG, like those teams are not going to let you score seven times. And so if you're going to be asleep on set pieces and if you're going to not follow runners the right way, and if you're going to, you know, kind of just have these brain farts on, on defense, it's not going to work in the long run. And we can like, we can Google it. I'll go with the highlights all day. We And there, some of the goals were just flat out beautiful. I felt bad, you know, American Josh Cohen and net just absolutely, you know, not getting any help. And even like get, there's an own goal in there where like his own guys are just like rifling it past him. And so like that part, yeah, fine. No problem. Great. What's good they're hugging each other today it's all but that defense needs to get sorted no no, no I'm, I'm with you and, and this is what cracks me up about psg is that they, they just like keep doing the same thing it's just like rinse and repeat and yeah like it looks great in league uh because it's a farmer's league it looks great in the early you know group stages even early knockout stages in champions league because they can get away with it but the bottom line is when the the rubber meets the road and they face a good team that's when they fall apart because you need to defend. You actually need to defend to win the trophy, and they don't do it. 13 shots by Haifa, five on target. That's not supposed to happen when you're at home. Like that, it's, again, this is the, right, the, the meat sim of the group by all accounts, right? I understand they've played beyond that. They've, like, they beat Juventus and all that. But this is, again, like, yeah, the seven goals, great. You got 20 shots, 10 on target, cool. But you know, 13 shots against, uh, that's, that's, not, that's not good enough. 
Yeah, exactly. Against a better team, like you're not scoring those seven goals, and the two goals that Heifer are scored gonna... on five shots are probably three, and then Ramos's yellow that he gets, you know, he's going to get the second yellow and get red. It's like against a good team, this is not how it goes. No, yeah, I mean, I I, just, I would not put money on PSG to win right now, even though obviously with the talent they, they can, but I just you can't bet. Yes. Uh, all right, moving on. Uh, Erling Haaland's old team uh, tied Erling Haaland's new team, uh, nil-nil draw, Manchester City and your honeybees. Uh, yeah, uh, City should have won. Uh, Mares misses another penalty, which is kind of becoming something of a uh, a reputational hazard to, uh, with him at some point. And uh, it was a decent enough game. I, both teams knew the draw was, you know, the Dortmund uh, draw was good enough for them to, to clinch. City have obviously already clinched. I think the draw pretty much was was good enough for them to win the group. So, I, you know, a lot of the second half seemed to be fairly... Um, uh, fairly just boring. Uh, I think City had about 70, 75% of the, po- uh, the possession and yet only had eight shots, period. Only three on target, including the penalty. And uh, so, yeah, both of them just kind of settled around. Uh, City kind of rotating some guys in and out. I think Holland only played a half, um, stuff like that. Uh, and, a, and a 4-4-2 from Pep? Uh, yeah, I guess kind of, sort of. Yeah, just, I, I mean, I don't know. Is Armares and Foden really wing? midfielders all the time or who knows who knows but the the bottom line actually the biggest shocker in all this was uh you know you're so accustomed to seeing city uh dominate galazzo i mean you barely saw them they they were like they were more like jacksonville jaguars instead of kansas city chiefs on galazzo yeah yeah, just just both teams just very content and and the only the only downside to having these kind of uh, you know, sometimes stagger kickoffs is again, Sevilla had already played one, but again, they both, both teams knew the draw is good enough. And so when you do that, um, you know, if, if Sevilla in different circumstances, maybe one team would have a little bit more of an ambition to go for it. And, and neither one did. And, and that's all fine. And again, city got the penalty should have still won. We're the better team, of course, but uh, you know, Dortmund will easily walk away from that one. Just, just happy as you like that. They're in. There. Well, yeah. Can we talk about that missed penalty? Mares just sucks at penalties, but he I, keeps I just, taking I them. The one he had in Afcon last year, where he hit the post and the ball pretty much ricocheted to midfield. Yeah, yeah. Like just an amazing, like just piece of <laughs> uh, you know geometry there and physics there. Uh, but yeah, and, and look, I, I as, as if you've listened to any other soccer podcast in the last couple of days, you have heard everyone say that like under Pep, City has had eighty or eighty-one penalties, and they've. Uh-huh five of them and that's that's a ridiculous ratio especially compared to like what you have and i'm sure right at this point if holland's on the field he takes so many and he has scored them but it's still stunning to me that you know with the exception of holland at this point the second best guy on that team that's penalties has got to be ederson and by the way ederson wasn't even playing in this game either so he wouldn't have even been him uh you know again with backups in so i just don't understand how with all these guys that have so much talent they can't find three or four guys that can just hit a penalty like on like yeah yeah yeah, actually, speaking of of Halan and his penalties, I I did see the highlight of of his penalty that he scored on on the weekend, and I mean he just like it it almost as if it instantaneously went from the spot to the back of the net, like he broke the net with his goal. The, the goalie didn't even try. And and like and if the goalie gets in the way, I, I feel like it's like the Wayne Gretzky three D hockey, like when you had the power shot, and the goalie just like fell. Yeah, yeah. Or, or dude, that old Nike commercial yeah. where they're playing like the evil bats on, in hell or whatever. And then uh, Eric Cantona goes, oh, what? And then literally blasts the yeah. ball through the goalie. <laughs> like, I would be scared of even trying to get in front of his penalty when he just has all the time in the world to just muster up like his like robotic leg. And so, uh, but that said, if, if, if Cities ever finds himself in a penalty shot in the knockout stage, except for Holland, like, 
do you trust any of these guys to actually like, you know, with the, with the pressure on to, you can't trust Mares. You're not trusting apparently, you know, or Foden or, or Gundogan or any of these guys don't mm. seem to be able to do it. And so like, that, could that be their downfall down the line? I, time will tell, but if I were them, I would be, you know, they could be heading for penalties and I would be throwing extra attackers on the field, just to try and score before penalties, not, you know, not waiting, waiting around for them. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and Pep is well-documented as overthinking, uh, shooting himself in the foot. And, yeah, what's the next downfall for City in the Champions League? Uh, no, I think penaltiness. What'd you say? I think it's the only way they haven't – it hasn't happened yet. It, that's what I'm saying. I think this is the year. Like, finally, all the pieces are in place. They got Halan. It's like a foregone conclusion they're going to win this thing, but there's going to be a penalty in the final or something. They'll miss it. Anyways, um, another draw. Uh, Celtic won Shakhtar Donetsk. One, uh, although we would say uh, City and Dortmund was probably, yeah, a pretty fair nil-nil draw. I do not think that this was a fair uh, draw here. Uh, I mean, Jared, the obvious thing that stands out to me, I mean, one of the top three all-time sitter misses that I've ever seen by Shakhtar Donetsk uh, towards the end, they're still in it. Uh, you know, but they really should have gotten all three points from this one. Yeah, I mean, like in the big picture, it probably doesn't really hurt because either way, they were going to have to beat Leipzig uh, yeah. to get out of the group. That really doesn't change much. But uh, did 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 not help my wallet and my, my Shakhtar uh, mm -hmm. Milan. And I don't even remember this. I think uh, PSG parlay. Uh, I needed Shakhtar to win that. And that didn't happen. Uh, that was a, that was a piss. Yeah. I mean, I had him in the draft and I was just sitting there like, ah, yes. Another three points. I've got, oh, fuck uh, yeah. I, I literally don't understand that miss. Uh, I, I don't even know if I can call it a miss because he technically never shot it. Uh, it just, uh, I guess. He yeah, got do you think he was trying to take a touch and then shoot? I think he got very, I think it's the, I know it's a in between two minds. I literally think this is the textbook definition of between two minds where I think his first thought was, Hey, I'm going to one time this in the net. And then having some thought of, wait a minute, I have enough time to take the touch. <laughs> yeah. and, and Oh, wait, if I take the touch, what if it go? And then like, by the time he's thought through all that, the balls hit him and, and gone flying. And so I think that he just really got caught between trying to sweep it home in one shot or just taking that extra touch to be sure. And just, and got caught and, and just, I mean, <sighs> I I've I I think you've seen enough soccer games with me to know that I've rarely been moved to an absolute silence. Yeah. That like usually there's some reaction to Yelp or a, oh my god or or and and it's amazing that twice in these round of games we're talking about the other one in a couple minutes here, I was stunned into silence at something I saw on a soccer field during these games. Yeah, actual jaw dropping. Literally, I just could, I had I to pull it up from the floor. And I think my response on the text chain was literally like, oh, my God, what have I just seen? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's truly incredible. Uh, but, right, uh, they can still go through uh, beating RB Leipzig uh, in the last fixture of the group stage. Speaking of whom, uh, got a result, uh, a very good result against Real Madrid. Uh, this was uh, Madrid's, like, first loss in, you know, 17 weeks or something like that. Uh, but, yes, RB Leipzig, three, Real Madrid, two. Uh, and, and, yeah, the, the fun thing that stands out from that one, Jared, when you said that they were down, it, I think it was two nil right and the bookies still had real madrid like only five to one or something like that to win yeah i mean look they, they, their comebacks have been, been very uh popular you know very famous throughout the years and when venetius actually got that one right before halftime there was actually that part of you that said wait a minute they might actually do this mm. here. and for some reason you know we talked extensively right about uh about madrid kind of just playing a lot of games in, in second gear and just trying to win that way. And I think this is just the one time where it kind of got caught up with them. Uh, kind of a mixed bag lineup from them. They had already clinched a spot. So, you know, quite a few guys, uh, you know, not starting this one. I think Nacho playing center back, Militao, I think. Uh, I think they had Rudiger kind of playing left back, not even as a center back in this mm -hmm. 
uh, just because as they kind of just rotate some guys in and out. And uh, when, uh, you know, and Timo Werner comes on and just really makes Edder Militown look very pedestrian, uh, just with a very slight movement that shouldn't really have, have worked, and it, yet it did. And so Madrid just, yeah, just couldn't pull themselves out of it against a team that was, you know, obviously needed to try and get three points to, to have a good chance, chance of advancing. And I think Madrid just couldn't pull themselves out of that second gear like we've seen them do so many times because Red Bull Leipzig is a little bit different than Getafe. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Uh, and yeah, Eder Militao uh, not making a good case for Qatar. I think it's definitely going to be Thiago Silva and Marquinhos in that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, that'll do it for uh, Tuesday. Uh, moving on to Wednesday, uh, even more action uh, taking place on the second day of midweek. Um, Inter 4, please and nil. Uh, let's just start it off there, uh, <laughs> which was it was like kind of anticlimactic because obviously this game took place uh, in the early fixtures. Um, so we knew going into the the Bayern and Barca game that Barca stood no chance. Uh, but, but yeah, it was, it was still, it still had a, its own fun little wrinkle um, because now, you know, all these Barca fans show up at the camp new and they have absolutely no hope. Uh, and and I, I thought it was going to be like truly a somber environment, uh, but you know, the drums were still out. They were still cheering and everything. So, so good on them, I guess, but uh, yes, very anticlimactic inter uh, got the result against pleasing, which knocked Barca out. Uh, and yeah, we kind of alluded to, to that game. Uh, Bayern just kind of dominating three, in that anything else to say about that jared yeah the only thing i'll say is with these champions league matches if again if you're looking for a way to like keep yourself interested as a gambler um definitely just do random bets in games like this one where you know who's gonna win but like you just like you throw a little parlay in there with like over on like corner kicks and i had enter over seven and a half corner kicks in this one and they got to eight just in like the 83rd minute and i was i was like just like watching rapture in the last like 20 minutes trying to get my bet to win so again if you find a game might be a little boring for you hey just find a way to bet on something that'll uh, take until the 90th minute and that is why gambling exists um all right yeah uh moving on uh, porto four uh beautiful club bruga nil um jared what was it about that that force field around bruga's net uh there very much was because this game probably should have been uh, porto should have scored eight goals in this game at least uh i mean uh it, it, the, the chances in the first half i think they had one uh they had a couple where uh, they missed a breakaway on one chance they uh, had one chance where like there was a through ball and, and then the, the follow-up was about to be put in and they hit their own player when the ball was going into the net. Uh, and then they finally got one. And then the game really turned here uh, in the second half when Club Brugge got a penalty. So it was still one nothing at the time. And Diogo Costa, who we have not spent enough time talking about actually throughout the group stage, uh, for the third straight game has stopped a penalty kick. And in this one, stopped the penalty got retaken for encroachment and then stopped the follow-up. And the follow-up in particular was a very, very actually good penalty. And his save was absolutely incredible, the reflexes. And, uh, you know, I know that, uh, you know, Rui Patricio has been Portugal's goalie, I think, for like 45 years now. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm Portugal and I actually want to go far in the World Cup, I might start Diego Diogo Costa instead because this dude is in form that is just insane. And his reflexes, everything about his game is just is amazing. Uh, and it's just out of this world. And, and so obviously Porto then, you know, pours it on late. But I think the bigger picture here might actually be next month when we might see a random change in Portugal's net. Because if I were them, that's what I would do. Mm. Uh, do you think general manager Cristiano Ronaldo would sign off on that? I think if you show him a few clips of these penalty stops, he might. <laughs> 
because again, like his, and again, it's, it's the reflexes are insane because even on the second penalty, it's not one of those where he, like he takes off particularly early. Uh, he really does kind of give it like the, till the last second and the ball's put in the corner. It's not a bad penalty by any means and he still gets there. And so, you know, you see something like that when, when you might only need that one or two times a game where you need that big reflex save, this guy's got it. And, and I would very much imagine he will not be at Porto that much longer either. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, not the only penalty drama on this Wednesday. We will uh, finish up with that uh, penalty um, uh, towards the end of the segment. But yeah, a few more results to chat about. Uh, Liverpool three, Ajax nil. Uh, just what a weird, I guess the soccer term for it is mercurial, perhaps, uh, side. Uh, Liverpool just so up and down. Uh, lost in Nottingham Forest on the weekend in the league. Uh, and then this, an absolute drubbing of, of Ajax. And uh, yeah, it's just like Jekyll and Hyde. Like which team is going to show up on a given day? Yeah, it seems like right now the, the, the Jekyll is more the Champions League and the Hyde might be more. The, I know they beat City. Well, well, hold on a second, Jared. As, as, it's uh, backwards. As Mr. Salvis taught us yeah. in your freshman year English class, it is Jekyll, not Jekyll. I did not have Salvis. <laughs> well, then you didn't get to enjoy his... Uh, his alcohol-laden coffee tirades about gargoyles. <laughs> I, I hate to joke about it, but I mean, the guy literally got arrested for a DUI on the way to school one year. Yeah, that, that sounds great. Uh, no, but yeah, it seems like that, that right now, the the elixir right now is a Champions League night against a team that they're better than. And that has clearly been, you know, obviously they, they took care of Rangers and, and Ajax here as well, uh, that they can just, you know, lean on. I think Salah's goal obviously was incredibly cheeky. Uh, Darwin Nunez continues to be, the definition of mercurial, I suppose, uh, with his misses and then his weird makes and his utter inability to pass a ball. Um, but yeah, uh, good enough for Liverpool. Obviously, they're through. Uh, they can win the group if they beat Napoli by like 100 goals uh, in the last group stage game. Mm. Uh, well, I won't count on that uh, because even if Liverpool, Liverpool score 10, you know, Napoli's going to score eight, uh, which, by the way, is how many I thought that uh, Naples would score against uh, Rangers, uh, Rangers having uh, not just one of but potentially the most historically bad campaign uh, in European uh, Champions League history. Uh, but yeah, just three, you know, a classic three nil win, uh, which for them was kind of, you know, under kicking the coverage. Uh, but yes, Naples are still a wagon uh, and uh, get all three points. And, and they're just, I mean, and in the league too, right? In Syria. Yeah, just utterly amazing. In this game, they kind of, you know, uh, Cavara Donna doesn't play, OC Men doesn't play. So it's, you know, it's, it's the Simeone show. Uh, we're going to talk more about his family in a bit. Because, mm. Yeah. That's a that's an interesting family dinner afterwards. I would I would hazard. To say. <laughs> yeah, that's well, right. And Simeone played in place of Osimhen, and, and obviously rewarding right. coach for that decision. Right, and, and gets the two goals as well. Uh, and so, yeah, it's all good if you're Napoli right now. No matter who comes in, someone scored a goal, get a couple of the backups in because, again, they were pretty much, I think they were already through in this one, so you're out of the group stage. So they did, weren't playing for too much. And and as you said, Rangers uh, is putting forth the worst um the worst campaign in Champions League history. I think in the last game, if Ajax beats them by like two nothing, that would actually like be mathematically the worst, just in terms of goal difference. And unbelievable. Well, bottom. it's actually them and Pleasant, like a race for the bottom, pretty much. I think Pleasant's been far like more. I don't know if competitive is the right word, uh, but uh, Pleasant, yeah, the minus seventeen of their own right, and, and Rangers at minus eighteen. But you know, Pilsen's at least scored three goals. Uh, Rangers, yeah, yeah. even done that much. So one goal. One goal, 19 against, just uh, uh, an absolute disaster. And a lot of people seem to think that uh, Van Bronckhurst will not be the coach of Rangers when uh, the World Cup is over. Ah, 
that's a shame. That's a shame. Uh, but I'm sure he'll land on his feet. All right. Uh, let's let's uh, close out the segment or sorry, at least the uh, the Champions League uh, with saving the best for last. Uh, the highest of drama in not just one, but two games. Uh, and uh, Jared, like we, we can pop off a little bit here. Uh, this is amazing. Let's start with Spurs and uh, Sporting Lisbon, uh, ultimately uh, drawing 1-1, uh, but not f- uh, f- without any drama, not without any goals chalked off, not without any VAR offside. Uh, and, and the one at the end uh, is just like, Oh my God! It, actually, I'll, I'll let you take this away because I, I, I've, I've, I'm at like a loss for words. It was just a combination of just like the joy, the Schadenfreude of like Spurs and Harry Kane, you know, getting screwed by VAR, and then like you know Conte getting the red card. So I just love the coach getting sent off, uh, and, and also by just the bizarre nature of it, like the pass being backwards, but the player being onside, and it's like that half a cunt hair thing, and it's just like so ridiculous. Oh my God, you go. Yeah, I mean, look, I, it, it, believe it or not, like, I mean, I, it, not that it's not, it wasn't amazing to watch, don't get me wrong, but like I, the, the utter like insanity over this to me is somewhat oddly like overblown in the sense that first of all, let's, let's, let's talk about well, shooting. It was offside, like by the oh, letter absolutely. of the law, it was objectively, it was absolutely, offside. it was, to me, it wasn't even close. And I can't believe it took him that long. I thought like on the, by the second replay, I was like, he's offside. Like, this isn't even fucking close. I don't understand. And, and as you said, the, the pass being backwards doesn't matter because, you know, and, and I seem to think that one in the um, Champions League final last year, the Benzema one, where, you know, there's the coming together and the ball ricocheted off the defender and then he was still offside. Mm-hmm. That was a ball where it was like going away from net, hit the Liverpool defender, bounced forward. And he was offside because when the ball was played by his teammate, regardless of what direction it was going in, he was offside. So I think we've seen this before. I don't understand why everyone can't seem to understand why that's the rule. Uh, Spurs did not deserve to win on the on the balance of the game, in my opinion. Uh, they still are under Conte, taking way too long to get going in games where they need a result. In this game, obviously, they didn't even get the goal until... The 80th minute, uh, Benton Kerr, you know, got a got a, a nice goal, but it was not enough, and they didn't play well enough to win. And as much as you know, Sporting's manager Amarim is like fucking like laying in the fetal position on the yeah. ground. <laughs> that was incredible, which was hilarious in its own right. But look, at the end of the day, it shouldn't come to this. He was offside, and like I understand that you know, in a VAR world, it sucks that you have that celebration, then it gets taken back. Though it's really funny because everyone says, "Hey, with VAR, nobody celebrates anymore." Well, no, they seem to celebrate just fine. Um, and then of course the 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 anglophile take of man like it's so unfair because those fans at uh, uh, Tottenham's as first stadium or whatever would have been you know if they would have had the night of their lives if it had counted and whatever I'm like yeah but what about the sporting fans that probably actually did have this night of their life because it didn't count and like there's always a reaction to that but to me it's like he was offside and it was pretty clear and I don't understand why this is so hotly debated other than Conte won't shut up <laughs> like, yeah, I, well, I, I, I don't get it People just don't care about the right thing. They just care about the thing going their way. And it just amounts to the the come on man excuse. You know, you could show them that it was offside. You could read the rule to them, but they're just going to be like, ah, oh, come on, man. Like, like what? It should just count, like because you want it to. Like, come on. Yeah, and if that's what people think, like, all right, cool. Like, I guess do you? Uh, but like to me, it's just again on a situation where the call to me didn't appear to be that close. Like, and I understand that there are some people who differ and say it was very close. And I, like, I thought it was like, even with that, before they drew the lines, I thought he's offside. And I think part of it is because, because the ball played by Emerson is played with his head. Like the rest of Emerson's body might be ahead of, of, of Kane or wherever, where if that kind of happens, if you're ahead of the person like that's still, but the ball was not. And so I, I, again, to me, the amount of time that, 
this is spent being talked about versus the Atletico result doesn't make any sense because to me, one is so much more clearly interesting to talk about. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And and yeah, real quick about the the sporting coach, I, like you, you would have thought that like a fan came down from the stands and was like standing on the touchline, just the way he was like in his street clothes. He had his nice kicks on, but like it looked as if he was going to need to be like carted out of there, you know, on a stretcher, the guy's living and dying, like not even able to look at most times. And then when that, when the ball did go in, I mean, again, ultimately chalked off or whatever, but it just utter inconsolate, like dejection on his face. Oh my God. I felt so bad for the guy. Like his stomach was just a knots. It was like, I swear, like he looked as if like he looked ill life and life or death. Like game. yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. And I don't mean that in the figurative way we say life and death in soccer. I mean, it literally looked like someone said, if you lose this game yeah. or if you don't win like or whatever, like we are going to shoot your family. Like that's like his behavior. Like literally looked like it was a, like a hostage situation. Yeah. It was, it was, I couldn't stop watching it. Like every time they showed him, it was just like, I was in rapture. I was like, here's a really exciting game. And all I want to do is like watch the sideline cam. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. But, but you got to love the passion, man. Just, uh... oh, I totally love it. Just, just bizarre it's everything to them and that they're good for them uh and, and that I, I honestly i i guess you could argue one way or the other i don't even know if that was uh the most dramatic uh ending to a game uh because uh, atletico was like hold my beer uh per usual i mean jared it's just like this is just in their dna at this point right um atletico madrid two Bayer leverkusen two um bottom line all the build up to the game however progress whatever um bottom line is in what minute of of stoppage time uh at at the end uh penalty kick called for atletico madrid at 2-2 and in one of the most if not the most incredible penalty shot sequences i've ever seen uh yannick carrasco steps up takes the penalty but it's saved great save by the way right uh the rebound shot hits the crossbar so it's like one of those where usually like the rebound comes out and everyone's like celebrating but then it's that instant oh because like you score on the rebound no the shot uh, caroms off of the crossbar uh and then they actually get a third shot off which by the way was on target and probably would have been that dagger for Bayer Leverkusen except none other than Yannick Carrasco is in the way hits him in the bum to deflect out referee blows game ends 2-2 Atletico Madrid are knocked out of Champions League because of that yeah and and a couple more things just to add on to the context is that Houston team who already eliminated when Porto uh beat Brugger earlier in the day we talked about that match that officially knocked Leverkusen out of, of advancing and and so while they're still playing for the Europa League you know they they kind of had that bit of a oh this sucks like we can't get, we can't advance and so now we're just going to play spoiler which they did and I thought they were actually really good in this game and and uh, I think the other thing the that the, the, about it that was just so stunning was the part where the the VAR decision to award the penalty came after the final whistle and if you remember, I think it was definitely Manchester United. I can't remember who they were playing last season where that happened. It might have been a Brighton or something like that, where there was like literally a penalty given after the final whistle. That's mm-hmm. what happened here. And so, you, you know, you, they, 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 you get the draws you talked about the, the, that you think happens. Then you get the lifeline of the penalty. And then, which, by the way, I think was actually a bad penalty call. I think that the defender had no way of, of you know, it hit him in the shoulder and it was a deflection and so on and so forth. So, well, then, hey, ball don't lie. Yeah, you and not once, not twice, but three times. Certainly, bono lie. And then, as you said, Carrasco did not only miss the penalty, which is devastating enough, but then actually have to process the part where you literally have stopped a second goal. 
So you yeah. screwed up twice in the same. And obviously the second one's not his fault. He's not even looking at the ball. It just happens. It happens to hit him. But uh, uh, nonetheless, just the craziest thing. And, and for an Atletico team, when we talk about the DNA of their of them having the the wonky endings, the the weird part about it is the wonky ending usually benefits them, right? We think about the, the right. game in the first game where they're they have the Sabich time goal and then they get the 90th plus 11. And, and so many games throughout the years where where they've been the one at the death to to steal it. And for that to kind of happen against them, it, you really, you know, we joke about the Simeone magic or whatever lessening, but and this is the magic that actually is going away that might be cause for concern. Yeah, and as you said, an, an awkward dinner conversation in the Simeone house. Yeah, his son just doing work, uh, just, I mean, just been fantastic and will be on in the knockout stage and his uh, father at best, by the way, will be in the Europa League. And, and for the record, Atletico does have to go to Porto, who's going to be trying to win the group. And Brugge is going to Leverkusen again, trying to get in the Europa League themselves. Uh, and, and so it's it's very real possibility that at the end of this all, Leverkusen will will actually jump them and, and Atletico will not even go to the Europa League. Jared, real quick, I, I just thought of this, right? It, um, with the, the penalty being called, like, after the final whistle. Like, in other sports, you'll have, you know, like in basketball, like the free throw, but it's, like, untimed. No one else is in the paint. There's no rebound. Like, this is it. Or, like, an untimed down in the NFL or something. So, so why is it that in soccer, in that scenario, that it's not just the penalty kick and then, like, no matter what happens, it's done? Like, why is the play allowed to continue? Yeah, I actually, and, and, and I think uh, the, the CBS, Christine, uncle who's like the referee expert had said pretty much the same thing you just said where she kind of thought it would be the same thing uh, I, I guess at the end of the day it does come down to referee discretion I guess you could argue and I think this one was pretty like right before the final whistle so maybe it didn't apply here but I guess you could argue that if you had called the penalty properly the first time there might have been 30 or 45 seconds or a minute left uh, that that should have been played that wasn't played gotcha you okay yeah maybe you could maybe make that argument um, in this case, I think the, 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 the penalty, as it turns out, was really right before the final whistle. So I think you could have argued that that would have been the case here. Uh, but I, I guess at the end of the day, it does come down to, to referee discretion as how much right the referee has discretion to give as much time as he wants at the end of it all. And so I guess in this case, his discretion uh, dictated that uh, he wasn't going to blow the whistle until that that sequence of play was done and not just the penalty. And, and I guess if it if the ball had gone in on the third shot. Uh, Leverkusen could probably make the argument for that as well. And, and I guess uh, maybe fortunately for all involved, I guess, except by Medico, it didn't quite turn out that way. Yeah, holy shit. I'm just imagining the scene of like, as if it were a penalty kick shootout, like all the players cleared off the field. Yeah. And like they're all the taker, the goalie, the referee, and that's it. Oh my god! Yeah, I think to use the extreme example though, like let's say that penalty happened in the first minute of stoppage time, and there didn't happen to be another stoppage for four minutes. Uh, you would say, well, that penalty should have been given with with three minutes to go, mm-hmm. and there go you would have the opportunity to score on a reach in that situation. So I guess that would be the the broader answer to that. All righty. Well, there you have it. Uh, that and, and that's all that happened. You know, nothing much else. Uh, but but that is Champions League. Um, uh, let's finish up our European nonsense featuring Jared Reback segment here. Uh, some Europa League and Conference League fixtures. I'll obviously make my Arsenal shout. Uh, just didn't really uh, show up. Obviously, continuing our poor form from the weekend, uh, losing to PSV Eindhoven 2-0. Uh, and obviously, we were hoping to wrap it up in this game so we could trot out the fucking U18s in the final game against Zurich, which I'm sure we'll still get a result in. Uh, we still might be able to do that. But but yeah, it's just one of those where you just, with all that fixture congestion, it's like, let's just get this thing done and dusted, and then we can, you know, move on. 
Yeah, look, no, no Matt Turner, no party, right? Uh, yeah, exactly. Or Ramsdale comes in and immediately shits the bed. Obviously, not a European caliber goalie. Uh, the only thing for was uh, Jaka got a yellow card, so I guess some things are always. Uh, and, and look, dude, I love Ramsdale, but like he does that way too much, man. Just like really, really weird distributions and like dumb mistakes. Ugh. Matt Turner for Arsenal number one. Let's make it happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Um, anything else in Europa League, Jared? And while you're at it, any conferences? Uh, should we talk about Anthony? Uh, yeah, let's do it, dude. Let's do it. As like as I can see the alerts coming up from Nibs. Like, uh, did you do like people not know that he did this? We're not saying that like we didn't know Anthony is a little show off and does his little spin move. But we're like, what we're saying is this guy made it all about him. Did something dumb that affects the the play in no way. Oh, and then by the way, fucks up the pass after that. Like, if you're gonna show off and do like the triple crossover in one on one and break the guy's ankles, you have to make the shot afterwards yeah I, like i've seen enough dizzy bat race in my life to know that when you've done that you're not going to be as precise with any of your your passes or shots in any sport uh and obviously you know after doing that look uh, to me like i like you do you on the field i don't really give a shit all i'm going to say is two things first of all is that in this particular case the spinning was literally for no purpose whatsoever. Yep. Like even when, like when, when Neymar does his shit and does the rainbow flicks and all that, at least he is doing it in the service of trying to beat a defender. He might be trying to humiliate the guy, but he is actually trying to move the ball forward and do something. In this case, he literally, the defender was nowhere near him. The defender was not pressuring him. The defender was literally just sitting there and waiting, like make your move. I'm going to stand here and wait. And for him to just start spinning, serve no purpose, as you said. And the other, the only other thing I say about it again, you want to dance like that on a soccer field? I support you 100%. When a defender eventually just decides to absolutely two-foot you into the next, like, month, I also support that, too. And so you can do whatever you want. And, like, I don't think it's showing up the game or, or like a, a desecration of soccer. But at the same time, I also don't have a problem when somebody kicks the shit out of you for doing it. Dude, 100%. And, and you mentioned, like, Neymar. Like, I was at the game in Russia when they played Costa Rica. And uh, Costa Rica is just fucking double parking the bus. And, and uh, it got to the point where, you know, Neymar's trying to, like, beat them any way he can. So he tries to do, like, a rainbow, you know, on the end line over the defender. And I just turned to my buddy Gio. And I'm like, dude, if that were me, I wouldn't give two shits. As, he, as the ball's going over my head and he's trying to go by, I'm winding up elbow into the face and if the ref sends me off he sends me off but like that just fuck off like that's what you get <laughs> but again again at least he was at least doing it where he was trying to rainbow flick the ball towards the net so he could then shoot and again we it, not- it's, it's at least purposeful yeah There's a purpose. and he's just spinning in circles like a fucking spinner top like i just didn't even see the purpose in this one and it's not to say there aren't circumstances where he might do something akin to that where there is a broader picture where he's trying to you know go to defender into making a rash challenge or, or something like that but in this case the defender was just like I will sit here and watch you do this for the next 30 minutes. I don't care. Yeah. So for him to then do that and then just rifle ball out of bounds was just like, <laughs> uh, all right, you do you, buddy. Like, I, And again, Ten Hog was kind of like, yeah, um, we might have a conversation about him doing that and then watching a ball out of bounds. Yeah, I will need to. Cur- Which I think is the right thing to say about it. Again, we're not saying to be to 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 limit your the flair, but again, just just with a little bit of purpose. He, he was he was such a dad about it. He was like, "I'm not mad. I'm just I'm just disappointed. disappointed. I, you know, I'm going to correct this behavior." It's like <laughs> Aldo scored, so that's good for him. I guess he's, he's he's back. He's he's fine. He's happy. He took a nap with Mbappe, and now he's not mad anymore. Uh, and yeah, he he scored against a Moldovan team at home in the Europe League, so we back. Yeah, I just don't even want to talk about that guy. Uh, anything else, Jared, in Europe? 
Uh, no, I think uh, the Conference League, I think kind of there weren't any massively interesting results. I mean, Anderlecht being held at home by Estelle Bucharest might be half a thing. But, you know, your Fiorentina's won, your Nice's won, uh, your West Ham's won. So West I think Ham, yeah. the big teams all kind of did what they were supposed to do. And I think in the in the group stage, when we look at the Conference League, we're really just looking for a shock result. and We didn't really get one here. Exactly. All right. Uh, well, we will leave it there then. Uh, moving on. And actually, we're, we're pretty much wrapping up here. Uh, Jared, MLS Corner featuring you. Uh, what has been going on in the MLS playoffs? Anything new since we last talked? Yeah, there were a couple. Of, we, we had the last two conference semifinals, and I'll talk about them as we just lead into the conference finals, which will be played on Sunday. Uh, MLS trying to get maximum eyeballs uh, on their products, so they just put on their playoff games during NFL games. Uh, <laughs> will work very well for them. Smart. Um, LAFC will host Austin. We've talked about these two teams being the best in the West pretty much all season. Uh, I have posited that even though LAFC is the better team, Austin has their number a little bit. And so I guess uh, uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday. And I'll either look like a genius or I'll look like an idiot first doubting the supporting the supporter shield winners. Wow, Jared, very Michael Ballack of you. Hey, look, it is what it is. I <laughs> I, I put my I said I think Austin is going to go to the final and and look here's my chance to to be right or wrong but I, at least I've made an opinion I, even though I do not know what will happen on Sunday yeah um, and then uh, Philly again I the heavy favorite to go to the final will host NYCFC and by the way if you want to watch the textbook definition of a team that is outpossessed and just is absolutely ruthlessly clinical on a counterattack uh, you should watch the NYCFC Montreal game uh, a game where the city was up two nothing at halftime with two shots on target. Uh, um, Andre, uh, not Andre Blake, Sean Johnson was absolutely absurd in that game. Stopped, mm. I think, probably three goals uh, in the first half alone that were just, I mean, just amazing chances that he was able to stop. And City just countered Montreal to death, and Montreal just didn't have the answer. And, and I think Montreal is the better team. I will still say that. It's hard to say that when you lose a playoff game 3-1 at home to a team. But, I mean, City just a ruthless counterattacking uh, uh, job. And if they're going to go to the final, they're going to have to do it again against Philly because Philly will dominate the ball. They will have their chances. And and City will have to pretty much replicate that game plan. Uh, the difference is that Philly's defender and goalies are a lot better than Montreal's. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blake was goalie of the year. Uh, Glessness, I, uh, I believe, was the defender of the year. If it wasn't him, it was the other guy. Who's, uh, no, it was Glessness. But Kai Wagner also back there is an amazing defender as well. And so uh, City, it's a tall mountain to climb. And also, don't forget, uh, Philly has, this is a revenge game. Uh, Remember, City beat Philly on the road in last year's playoffs when Philly's entire team had COVID. And so if you don't think those guys want to show that, uh, you know, oh, we would have won last year if it weren't for COVID, I think they're going to be very, very, uh, you know, insanely motivated to win this game. And as a Red Bulls fan, this game uh, is just the worst thing ever. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Uh, I was actually hoping to see a, a Philly Montreal uh, conference. Final. I would have liked, I think it would have been a better game, but uh, this is still. Yeah. And only because uh, the, the top two coaches in the conference going against each other. Do you think that was the Montreal coach's downfall? What did he lose by like literally a 10th of a percent in the coach of the year? Yeah. Uh, poll at the end. And, and maybe, maybe if they had won, maybe that would have been the difference. Who knows? Yeah, it could have been, uh, again, everybody finds their own motivation. I don't think you necessarily need an inherent one when you're deep in the playoffs. But I think for Montreal, it would have been the same kind of thing. It's like, hey, wait, you you think your guy's the coach of the year? Like, let's do this. And so that would be cool. But again, uh, I think that there's a a storyline either way. um, And and so I think that it'll work itself out. But again, I I would still suspect Philly, uh, expect Philly to win this game. I will will go out on this one. I say I think we will see a Philly victory on Sunday. Alrighty. Uh, and yes, right. So the, the games are on Sunday, uh, perfectly lined up with uh, NFL games. So 
Uh, I, yes, I'll, I'll try to watch my one MLS game a year this Sunday. The Eastern Conference game being at night on top of it, it's like, all right, I guess if you don't want to watch the Packers and Bills, uh, you know, if you don't want to watch Josh Allen, uh, you can watch, you know, uh, MLS soccer instead. And I'm sure, you know, the eyeballs will just be rolling it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I can barely watch Red Zone anymore, much less like a full game. It's just not happening for me. All right. Um, but anyways, that is your MLS corner uh, featuring Jared Reback. Appreciate you, buddy. Um, let's finish this bad boy up. Uh, the old tried and true uh, own goal of the day. Uh, by the way, we will see the triumphant return of superlative starting 11s uh, next week. We're going to skip it over. And I think uh, perfect, perfect timing. Great decision there, Jared, uh, as we're approaching the hour mark here. And that would have taken us to about three if we had done it again. Uh, but yeah, own goal of the day. Uh, Jared is your gracious podcast host. I will allow you to go first. Yeah, I'll jump right back into MLS. Uh, big story broke this week that they might be changing the playoff uh Kind of. Oh yeah, I did like, see. Tell us. Oh, first of all, if you are a a, a long time MLS fan, you know that they have done a lot of different weird uh, kind of you know situations where Eastern teams have gone west, and West teams have gone east, and they've gone single leg, they've gone uh, home and way legs, they've done all sorts of weird shit, and they're uh, possibly going to take the cake on this one. They're talking about having again. This is a twenty nine team league right now. Uh, even when it gets up to 30 or whatever, um, 16 teams still make the playoffs or 16, I should say, instead of 14, make the playoffs. And instead of just having any sort of knockout, they're going to have a group stage uh, with four teams in each uh, four groups of four uh, based on conference top two advanced to the quarterfinals. And then they'll have knockouts from there or something like that. Uh, I don't really understand why. Um, and, and I think what's most amazing is, look, MLS fans will argue with each other just about just about anything, right? You have fans arguing about their teams and against other teams and players and coaches are getting involved. Uh, I've never seen MLS fandom come together quite like this as to the get the fuck out of here with this nonsense. Oh, really? So, so even Red Bulls and NYCFC fans calibrated on this. Yeah, like everyone is just like, this is the worst <laughs> idea of all. Like, why on earth would you have a group stage after a season? The season is yeah, the- it's, like, it's like a hybrid Swiss model in the MLS. Like, and it's like, I, and part of it is, look, at the end of the day, uh, there's only 13 playoff games this year with the new Apple TV deal, which we talked about. They want to have a higher number because those games make a little bit more money. I get all that. Uh, if you took all the playoff games now and just made them like double leg except for the final, uh, you would have 25 games. Uh, this double round robin knockout thing would be up to like 30 games. Mm. I understand that the two leg thing doesn't always work. I, those first legs were often pretty drab, uh, but it's just, it's a weird fucking thing. And it's just, I don't know. It just like, it's, it almost seems like it's changed for change's sake and they're just trying to figure out a way to make money and they don't really care and it makes no sense and by the way the mls season is pretty fucking long and uh i think the single knockout thing is kind of gets people that don't love the league necessarily in on it like you can sit down as a soccer fan and watch a one-off because you know what it means and i think that if you had this group stage thing you're just going to take fans that aren't you know that are casual fans and you're just going to turn them off and by the time the the real finals and the semis comes at it's like eight months later and there's been a hundred thousand games and it doesn't make sense anymore and it just i don't think it works I, it just doesn't make sense uh, yes, it does not make sense to me either. But uh, but yeah, we all know we don't make the decisions and we're always the ones that get screwed. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see this uh, in MLS coming up soon. Uh, whew, all right. Uh, maybe CONCACAF uh, uh, nations need to make like a like a Super League or something like that. Which, by the way, we forgot. Which to we are, so how much is Barca going to hammer the Super League now, for God's sakes? Um, yeah, they've been talking about it. By the way, there's like a League's Cup thing with the MLS and Liga Mekis actually that's starting. So there already is fucking like the Super League of like CONCACAF soccer. It already, they've already done it, except there, nobody cares when Costa Rican teams complain. 
Yeah. Well, no, good, good thing, Jared, because football cannot possibly survive in its current state. It's, it's dying. So we need to, you know, what is it like five of the, your, what is it? Is it five or seven of the super league 12 will not be in the knockouts of the champions league? It's, it's just incredible. It's so incredible. Obviously, obviously the, the system is not broken. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, my own goal of the day, um, <laughs> read this article on ESPN, uh, Darwin Nunez, uh, obviously striker on, on Liverpool. Uh, he was just doing some interview and, and he, he made a comment about how uh, Luis Suarez uh, has warned him not to screw up again. Uh, I think Nunez's, uh, you know, uh, misdeeds are, are pretty well documented. You know, I mean, the guy's head butted dudes at this point. I, I just I, I'm cracking up because like of all the people to take advice from you know he's taken him from Luis Suarez who not once not twice but three times has bit an opponent like so what was the advice it's like okay you've headbutted someone once you can probably get away with it a second time but but not three times you know it, it's like it's like a like a murderer taking advice from from fucking Ted Bundy for God's sakes hey well if I guess if you're gonna you might as well that's the expert in the field yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah to your point I think this is very much would have to be a uh, do as I say not as I do kind of uh, advice piece of advice I, I guess I guess I don't know uh, and maybe they're just getting calibrated for the World Cup do, do you see them as as a a forward pair for Uruguay this year or, or is one gonna get left out. Um, I mean, it's tough to say, right? Suarez has been in Uruguay and playing in the Uruguayan league. So, you know, I think Cavani's still been pretty good for Valencia, still playing at a higher level. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would tend to go with Cavani over Suarez if, uh, choice between the two. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just dusted out the old tried and true. Oh, dude, Suarez to Cavani. I will never forget the moment that the actual Suarez to Cavani accepted the goal. What was it, 2014? I'm sitting in loonies, and oh my god, that felt so good. <laughs> Always, good. yeah. And, and look, at the end of the day, you, you're just you're not gonna have a World Cup with Uruguay without Suarez starting, Cavani starting, Godin starting. Godin, of course, yeah. Starting, just run it back. Like I, their prelim roster came out for the World Cup. Oh, Godin's still on there. It's just, it's, 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 it's amazing. I just love it. I, I they just, okay, keep trying. So good. So good. Uh, well, anyways, that'll do it for uh, own goal of the day. Uh, and we are now in stoppage time, which means that it is time for stoppage time uh, winners. Uh, I'm going to take mine to the women's game. Uh, the Manchester City women uh, have officially ditched their white shorts uh, for period concerns, um, which, by the way, I- I'm actually really hip to because uh, I think I may have mentioned before uh, that I once was the head coach for an all girls school uh, after my stint at the all boys school and uh yes you know very very hip to this this was something that again just like one of those small things big big to them obviously but small things that we don't really think about uh and and yeah you might call this a small victory but i think this is a big uh victory for them uh and and my my one very quick story about being at that all-girls school was I, i once had a freshman who made varsity and in her first game with us, uh, she trots out there, scores a hat trick in the first 15 minutes of the game. Uh, and then it's like, you know, she gives me like uh, the, the sub off signal. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Like, you're, you're on track for like 15 goals this game. Don't you want to stay on? She's like, coach, I got to come off. So she comes off. And what I find out later is, you know, one of the senior captains, you know, pulls me aside. She's like, coach, like, you know, here, here, here's what happened. And I'm like, ah, OK, OK. Uh, stay west. Yeah, 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 I know it's one of those two TMI things, but but thank you for letting me know it was, you know, something very serious. But uh, yeah, I mean, she she could have, you know, gone down uh, in history as the greatest high school girls soccer player ever. 
period uh but you know she oh. unfortunately had to get some <laughs> no but it i know i know it's bad it's bad that that one hat tip to tim on that one uh but but yeah good good for the women to get you know one of these things that is just that's just something that should happen obviously yeah this came up i know at wimbledon uh the last couple of years the women's players have said hey you want us wearing all white uh yeah we have to figure this out yeah what's happened i've seen it at the international level as well and i think it's one of those things that uh, god willing right in the next five to ten years we won't actually have to have this conversation because uh yeah they just won't have white shorts in the women's game and as 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 immature as people want to be about that but it's just it's a fact of science it's a fact of biology and so yeah let's uh give them black shorts and not have this problem yes sir yes sir uh well that is my stoppage time winner jared what's yours i will stay with the uh, fairer gender uh sophia smith NWSL MVP at the MVP, yeah. two years old, I should say, uh, as, as by way of this conversation, is that uh, she's obviously is a Portland Thorns member. They are in the final on Saturday night against Kansas City. Uh, again, so MVP, I think just beating out Alex Morgan for the award. Uh, youngest in league history. I know the league is on the newer side, but still nonetheless, uh, 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 an amazing thing for her. And we've talked about the the young female players on, on the and the women's national team and, and how there's a lot of really good talent there. And we need to, we need to make sure it, it all comes good under uh, Blacko and all that. And uh, here's a good, you know, perhaps the best example of that. She has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, very magnanimous in, in her, you know, response, talking about her teammates and everything else, of course. Uh, but again, if, again, if you're looking for an American uh, game to watch that doesn't conflict with the NFL Saturday night, 8 PM, I believe it's uh, big boy CBS uh you know the channel you know channel two here in new york right and i uh that will be on and then the final and again with everything that has gone on and especially with portland and it's a a very difficult situation yeah special player with a special team i'm hoping the best for them yeah and again like we don't have to root for the owner but we will root for the players on the field yep and again, whoever wins, I'll be I'll be happy for either side, of course. But uh, nonetheless, uh, just it, uh, it'll be a good game, and uh, I do look forward to to taking a look at that one on Saturday night. Yep, great stuff, Jared. And as you say that, the referee looks at their watch, points to the center circle, and whistles for full time. Yeah, that's. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, no, no, Pouty. I just no. Wait okay. <laughs> Hold on. Quick VAR. Pouty, send me. Uh, no, no, you're still out. Yeah, the, the SpongeBob meme four hours later. Uh, nope, VAR review. Uh, there's no penalty. It is full time. You can celebrate now uh, because the podcast episode is now over. Uh, to you, Jared, I appreciate the time, the insights, and of course, the banter. Uh, and to the traveling supporters, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, and until next time, bye bye. <laughs> He's our striker, he's on fire Ooh, hot, hotter than Mitrovic Scoring goals home and away He's playing for the ticks and he's on fire Grand talk was a catastrophe He just wouldn't go away Oh, and then Will Drake turned it round Cost us one million pound Oh, I said Will Grigg turned it round, cost us one million pounds. Will Grigg is on fire, come on now! Will Grigg is on fire.